Amen. Let's have a word of prayer together. Heavenly Father, thank you for an opportunity we've had just to focus the beginning of this service, Father, in regards to the persecuted church. We thank you for the privileges, the freedom that we have that we can gather here this morning. Help us to remember our brothers and sisters in Christ who are suffering so much in places where they cannot uh, assemble together except perhaps in secret and dark places at night. And so thank you, Lord, that we have this freedom this morning to come together here as your people to worship you and to hear of you. We, we thank you for uh, testimonies like Rebecca. And Father, we pray, Lord, that um, that cherished Bible she has, that we can uh, kindly know how she feels, Father, today in some way. We'll never experience, Lord, exactly how she feels, but help us to realize the love that she has and cherishes the Bible that she has, the Word of God. Help us, Father, we pray to see your Word in the same light. Thank you, Lord, for those who took part in this program this morning to bring our thoughts and attention to this special day of prayer for the persecuted church. Help us, Father, to cherish the blessings that we have freedoms that we have in the country that we live in and we make this prayer in Jesus name amen this morning if you brought your Bibles please turn to the book of Philippians I want to review a verse we had last week and then we'll look at Acts we'll look at Philippians chapter 3 verses 20 through 21 and uh, then we'll look at the book of Acts Chapter 22, verses 22 through 29, and perhaps some other scriptures. But look at Philippians chapter 3, verses 20 through 21. If you can, you're able, health-wise, please stand as we read God's inspired, infallible, inerrant word. Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body according to the working by which he is able even to subdue all things to himself. And now we'll look at Acts chapter 22. Acts chapter 22, verses uh, 20, 22 through uh, 29. Acts 22, uh, verse 22. And they listened to him until this word, and then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the truth, for he is not fit to live. Now they are li they've listened to Paul, and so now they're going to bring him before a tribunal. And then verse 23, Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust into the air, Verse 24, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging that he might know why they shouted so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? And when the centurion heard that, he went and he told the commander, saying, Take care of what you do, for this man is a Roman. And then the commander came and said to him, Tell me, are you a Roman? He said, Yes. 
The commander answered with a large sum, I obtained this citizenship. And Paul said, but I was born a citizen. And then immediately those who were about to examine him withdrew from him, and the commander was also afraid after he found out that he was a Roman and because he had bound him. Heavenly Father, thank you again for an opportunity we have to worship you, to sing praises to you, sing hymns to you, and how to open your word. Speak to our hearts, Father, as we think about our dual citizenship, our citizenship in heaven, but our citizenship here on earth. Speak to our hearts through your Holy Spirit. Give me the words to say, the right words to say them in. And I pray, Father, you would speak to each person here and that we'll be doers of your word and not simply hearers. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you. You may be seated. This morning, I want to share with you a sermon I've entitled, Our Citizenship on Earth. Our Citizenship on Earth. You know, last Sunday, I began a short sermon series, only two sermons about our dual citizenship. Last week, I shared the sermon entitled, Our Heavenly Citizenship, taken from Philippians 3, 20 through uh, 21. And we understand that Christians everywhere are citizens of a heavenly kingdom. And the most prized possession that we have today next to our eternal salvation is our heavenly citizenship. Now, if you remember, Philippi was a Roman city. It was in the area of Macedonia. And the people that lived in Philippi uh, were really, for practical purposes, they were citizens of Rome. Philippi was a Roman colony, and those that lived in Philippi, although it was a great distance from Rome, they were counted as citizens of Rome. They lived as Romans, they dressed as Romans, spoke as Romans, lived by the Roman law, they worshipped the Roman gods. And the Philippians believed, and the Philippians especially, the believer knew what it meant to live in one place and be a citizen of another place. And so the question we addressed last week is how, how are we to live on earth and at the same time be citizens in heaven? And we discovered three things. While on earth, we are to be heaven-centered. While on earth, we're to look for our Savior's return. And while on earth, we're to focus on that glorious body that one day we're going to receive when Christ Jesus comes back for the church. Now, like Paul... Christians who are American citizens have a dual citizenship. We have a citizenship in this life. Simultaneously, we have citizens. We're citizens in heaven. We're citizens in heaven, and we're citizens of the United States of America. And from time to time, we find out that this citizenship uh, kindly uh, gets us in trouble. But at the same time, both citizenships are important. Augustine, uh, probably the most important father of the early church, taught his flock to understand there are two cities that demand our attention and also our allegiance. The first city is the city of God, that holy city. We refer to it as heaven. And in the city of God, that, that heavenly city, that holy city, um, you know, our passion for that city is love for the Lord. But there's another city. There's the, the city of man. That's earth. And in the city of man, our desire, our passion is to, is to love humanity, 
loving God in heaven, loving humanity on earth, uh, uh, loving each other as we would have each other to love us. And so Paul knew that his citizenship was in heaven and he wanted Christians to be faithful in their citizenship while they're on earth, even as we wait for our citizenship in heaven. And so the point is, God has left us in earthly cities for a reason. We're here in Phil Campbell, Alabama, or Russellville, or Haleville, or wherever whatever city you live in. We're in these cities on earth for a reason. Now, Christians in the United States of America, at this time, we're facing a lot of challenges. Our culture is shifting, and culture progressives seek to reconstruct our entire society. We're living in that right now. They're seeking to reconstruct our society according to their ideologies. So our country is fast becoming secular. Now let's think of that word just for a moment. You hear it from time to time. But secular in our context, as pertaining to us as followers of Jesus Christ, secular refers to the absence of of any binding authority, any binding theist, or theistic authority, any binding godly authority, or any belief that we have in regards to God. Uh, secularism is a creed. It's an ideology that leads to secular, um, you might say secularization, a process where societies become less uh, theistic, less godly. The point is, secular, secular simply means less Christian in outlook. And that's what our country is becoming. And we have to understand that. And not only our country, but other countries. So the point is, as societies become more progressive, they move out of having a religious belief, specifically a belief in the God of the Bible. And the God of the Bible is what has held societies together for centuries and centuries. That God, the God of the Bible, has provided a common morality. It's where we get our morals. It's from the Bible. Ten Commandments, uh, the, uh, the law given to us to, to guide and to keep society as, as, as best as it can be kept. And without those, society falls apart. And so the God of the Bible gives that common understanding uh, of the world and the common concept of what it means to be human. It all comes from the Bible. We're special in that we were created from God, from the dust of the ground. God breathed in our nostrils and we became living souls, spiritual beings. And so we have to be careful because our country, our nation is being... Uh, going through a secular organization right now. So secularizing societies move into conditions in which there is less and less godly belief and authority until there comes a day when people hardly remember that God even exists. And that's where we're headed, and we have to be careful. Don't think for a moment that there's not a push for secular secularizing America until there's no memory whatsoever of God and the Bible. That's the push right now. And it's, it's uh, 
probably moved more through our universities than any other way in any other place. So there's, there's no time for Christians to neglect our duty as Christian citizens. We're here for a reason. We're here for a purpose. We're called on to be the salt and the light of a dark, dark culture. And, and so the question is simply this. What can we do as Christian citizens? What can we do? I'm going to give you three things we can be doing. Number one, we can express ourselves with our voice as a Christian. What can we do living in a country that, progressive, that progressives want to change to the point to where they want to just have uh, a, a non-godly belief system? They want to take all of our beliefs away from us, not primarily from us, but our offspring as children get older and older and older and grow up in this society, we have to be very careful that we pass along our godly heritage to them and explain to them about the need to become uh, saved and become children of God because the whole, uh, the whole uh, desire of the progressive uh, work right now is to remove anything pertaining to God out of our society. So what can we do? First of all, we can express ourselves with our voice. Don't be timid. We have to exercise the power of our voice. We need to speak truth about issues of our day. Don't be afraid to speak up about what you believe the Bible says about certain issues of our day. Did you know that silence can be... Uh, uh, well, really, silence is unfaithfulness. Silence at times can be sin. Uh, we're to tell the truth, even if it costs us. You know, people, uh, you've heard all your life, perhaps, truth hurts. Truth does. Truth costs. And so we're to be truthful in what we say. We're to tell the truth, even if it hurts us. We need, uh, we need people to speak up and tell the truth about uh, the, on behalf of the unborn. Um, you know, there are 60 million-plus babies that have been aborted since uh, Roe versus Wade. And we need to speak the truth. We need to raise the voice, our voice as believers, and say that's not right. It's not, it's not about choice. It's about life. It's about death of a, of a human being. And we need to speak up, and we need to use our voice to, to disagree with with those that seem to think that it's a natural thing or it's a, a personal choice to take a life of an infant. So we need to use our voice to speak up in regards to abortion. Speak up in regards to uh, marriage as, as a uh, union between man and woman. We need to be willing to speak up and say, this is what God teaches about marriage. We need to be able to speak out for the sanctity of the family. And I'm concerned about families today. The family is the most essential unit of, the human, civil, of human civilization. Families are so important. Christian parents uh, must view the church and as a high priority. Uh, they must think the church of being very important. They must include the church in their weekly schedule. Uh, church attendance is really expected according to the Bible in Hebrews 10.25. And if you don't make church attendance a, 
a priority, then don't be shocked when your children grow up and they leave what they really never known. And so have your children in church. Begin to teach them the Word of God. Let them grow up in church and preschool all the way up and let them understand not only at church but at home. Let them understand about God. And if you let them get out of your home without doing that, then that's lost opportunity. And so as Christian parents, we need to have our children in church, especially in this present day as our country's trying to be secularized by progressive thought. You say, well, what can we do as a Christian citizen? First of all, we can express ourselves with our voice. Don't stand idly by during a discussion or overhearing a discussion. Work yourself into the discussion and share what the Bible says about whatever discussion they're talking about. So what can we do as a Christian citizen? Express our voice. Express our thoughts with our voice. If you would, uh, jot down Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verse 7 says, There's a time to tear, there's a time to sow, there's a time to keep silence, and there's a time to speak. And so we have to remember, God gives us a time to use our voice, and we don't need to be timid. We need to use our voice and share with those that we come in contact what the Bible says about any particular subject. Jot down Ezekiel chapter 33, and look at that, if you will, verses 1 through 9. Let me share that with you. Ezekiel 33, verses 1. Again, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, speak to the children of your people and say to them, When I bring the sword upon a land and the people of the land take a man from their territory and make him their watchman, and when he sees the sword coming upon the land, if he blows the trumpet and warns the people, then whoever hears the sound of the trumpet and does not take warning, if the sword comes and takes him away, his blood shall be on his own head. He heard the sound of the trumpet, but he did not take warning. His blood shall be upon himself. But he who takes warning will save his life. But if the watchman sees the sword coming and does not blow the trumpet and the people are not warned and the sword comes and takes away any person from among them, he is taken away in his iniquity, but his blood I will require at the watchman's hand. So you, son of man, I've made you a watchman for the house of Israel. Therefore you should hear a word from my mouth and warn them from me. And when I say to the wicked, O wicked man, you shall surely die, and you do not speak to warn the wicked from his way, that wicked man shall die in his iniquity, but his blood I'll require at your hand. Nevertheless, if you warn the wicked to turn from their wicked way, and he does not turn from his way, he shall die in his iniquity, but you have delivered your soul. And so the Scripture teaches us that the failure to speak when danger approaches but the failure to speak and warn of that danger is a horrible sin. And so we're to use our voice in order to warn. So we're watchmen on the wall. We have to make a warning real clear. And so what do we do? We express ourselves through our voice. And then let me share this way. We express ourselves through our vote. Express yourself living in a progressive society. We express ourselves through our voice, but we express ourselves through our vote. You know, you and I have a, we have a right and we have a responsibility to vote. This coming Tuesday is a very important election. 
And as a Christian citizen, we have a responsibility to vote. We have that right, that responsibility to participate in elections. And so as a Christian, we're to go into that election booth or election, that election table or whatever concerning where you vote. We need to go in with a Christian worldview on our mind and a Christian worldview in our heart. And then we need to choose the best candidate and make the right choice vote by vote by vote. That's what we need to do. Did you know that voting is, is part of stewardship? I mean, to vote is just as important as the way you spend your money. To vote is just as important as the way that you spend your time. That's how important voting is. It's part of stewardship. And not voting is just another way of voting badly. And so you need to vote. That's our privilege and that's our responsibility. And so all elections are important, not only national elections, but our local elections are important. And so we're called to be the salt. We're called to be the light of this real dark culture that we're living in now. And so what can we do as a citizen? Express ourselves with our voice. Don't be timid. Exercise the power of your voice. Speak truth about issues of the day. Speak uh, on behalf of the unborn. Speak on behalf of godly marriage. Speak on behalf of justice and injustice and righteousness and unrighteousness. You need to speak. Let your Bible, the Word of God, be your guide. And then express yourself through your vote because your vote matters and my vote matters. Now, today as you leave, I want you to go by the Welcome Center and you can pick up, I ran these off, or Jennifer ran these off for us, but this is just a little voter guide. This is comparing party platforms and policies. Now, I didn't pick this up at the Democratic uh, Party office or the Republican Party office, but this came from the Billy Graham Evangelism Association, and it touches things that should interest all of us as Christians. It, it, it touches the, the subject of life and federal spending and marriage and gender and religious liberty and education, parental rights. All of that is important to us. So as you leave today, go by and pick one of these up. And this little guide compares party platforms and policies that concern evangelical Christians. Now, I don't know your party affiliation. As for me, I'm a Christian. Okay? I'm just a Christian, and I have a, I have a Christian worldview. And that's, that's what influences me when I go vote, is my, my Christian worldview. I don't have a secular worldview, but I have a Christian worldview. And when I go vote, I vote as a Christian. And so uh, I pray that as a Christian today that you'll pick one of these up and see uh, how perhaps through Scripture, that this is the way that I need to look at this subject or whatever. So as citizens of the United States, express ourselves through voice, express ourselves through our vote, and then close real quick, express ourselves through our victory. Express ourselves through our victory. Now, we know that we don't win every battle. We don't win every battle, but we need to stay involved. We need to stay energized. We need to stay engaged knowing that we're going to work for the truth and the right 
until Jesus comes. We have to know that. We have to realize that. We have, we have victory, then we have setbacks in the city of man, but only victory in the city of God. So while we're here, we're going to have some setbacks, but when we get to heaven, there's not going to be any setbacks. It's all victory. So every vote counts. Every election is important. Every Christian is called to be faithful. There's work to be done till Jesus comes. While we're here on this earth, there's a reason why we're here as a believer. I remember the song right before I came in, jotted down the first verse. O land of rest, for thee I sigh. When will the moment come? When I shall lay my armor by and dwell at peace at home. Then it says, we'll work, we'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work, we'll work till Jesus comes. We'll work, we'll work till Jesus comes. Then we'll be gathered home. And so we're here for a purpose. We're here for a reason. We have our voices, we have our votes, and we're going to have our victories here on earth. Sometimes we'll have our setbacks, but one thing for sure, when we get to heaven... It's all going to be victorious. And so whatever you do, as Paul, uh, engage, call on your citizenship from time to time. Use your citizenship. You know, as Paul was there before in Acts chapter 22, 28 through 29, there's, he just pointed out this particular point. There's times for a believer to claim his civil rights. And in Acts 22, Paul, you know, he, he claims his civil rights as a Roman citizen. And when those Roman authorities unjustly arrested him for preaching the gospel there in Jerusalem, and they you know, hauled him off to a tribunal, and then they flogged him, and then you know, Paul asserted his right as a, as a citizen of Rome. And he said there in verse 28, I'm a citizen by birth. I, and then they realized Paul had the rights of citizenship. And just because we're Christian don't mean that we don't have the rights of citizens, our citizens have here on this earth because we're citizens of these United States of America. And so use your voice, use your vote, and wait on the victory, and uh, we'll work till Jesus comes.